even though I was gone for five weeks of this series, it continues to be a blessing to, to take this journey uh, through Romans as we experience the, the depth of insight that is in this theological discourse of Paul uh, for the church. And that continues this morning uh, and is tied this morning by these amazing words in view of God's mercy, which takes us again back to the beginning of this, this three-fold series that we've been journeying through this year to remind us that, that this all flows from God's grace, that, that how we live out our experience of the grace of God is indeed our life of faith as God's people. Today, I want to preach to you because the text is about worship. I'm telling you that because as I go into the sermon, you may forget that I'm preaching about worship, but indeed I am. And by the way, have no fear, at the end of the sermon, I will remind you again that it was about worship. Now, what is worship? Well, there's a dictionary definition, and this maybe accounts for some of the confusion, because the first definition, which is what we're preaching about today, is this, reverent honor and homage paid to God or to any subject regarded as sacred. The second definition, which is where our confusion comes in, is equally good. It's formal or ceremonious rendering of such honor or homage. In other words, uh, worship is both sort of what we do and the coming together of doing it. But we want to make sure that we understand biblically, especially here in Romans 12, what it really means for us to worship God in the way God calls us to honor him in our lives. The most common Greek word translated as worship is proskuneo. And according to uh, Strong's Concordance, it means to kiss, as in to kiss the hand of a superior. But proskuneo is also connected to that, that word for, for lying flat on your face before God, to be, to be prostrate. And it, it includes this idea of full submission to God. And so again, we're going to look to the text to ask us, what does that life submitted to God look like? And it begins as the text begins. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, in view of God's mercy. You see, so often... We think of our service to God and others, that is our response to God's grace in service, we, we think of it in terms of our work rather than maintaining in our hearts and minds the view of God's mercy that is in fact the, the foundation out of which our service comes. In fact, it's the ongoing motivation and strength for that service in our lives in view of God's mercy. All that we're about to hear as we move into this 12th chapter of Romans is done 
in view of God's mercy, in view of the grace that we've received through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings us forgiveness of sin and makes us right with God, in view of that, what are we being told about our lives and how we are called by God to live them? And here are the words that have been in my heart and soul since middle school, since, since I was in youth group. And over and over again, this verse kind of came up. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought in these terms, but I've thought in these terms both in terms of God and in terms of my wife, that is, as a young person, that future wife, will I ever love someone enough? Do I love God enough to die for them? And I thought that was sort of the ultimate thinking, this, this recognition in my life that I wanted to make an ultimate commitment to God. But as I journeyed and as I read this text, I realized that it would be, I think, theoretically of course, a lot easier to in one moment choose to die than it is in every moment to choose to live for God. This idea of letting our bodies be a living sacrifice is a phrase that Paul writes that is saying God wants a full commitment Everything in our lives, everything we do, everything we do to and with our bodies is to be an expression of our sacrifice to God, submission to God. So then the thought continues with these words. And be not conformed to this world... Now again, as I, as I told you, this verse, this, this first, excuse me, this Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 was sort of a repeated theme in my youth group. It was often talked about, and, and you know what youth directors talk to youth about? Peer pressure. That's right. We want, we, we're, we're doing our best to encourage them not to let someone else lead them astray, lead them into the, the problematic behavior. And of course, at the same time, almost always in our youth groups, we have that one kid who tends to be the influencer of the bad behavior, and we're trying to talk them into not doing that. Do not be conformed to this world, meaning don't fall into those traps. Don't be led into that work and and so here's the problem with adolescence and there's a couple in the room today so let me just tell you here's your problem you're trying to discover who you are in fact who you are is being shaped your identity is being shaped that's the journey of adolescence and unfortunately it's happening at the same time that you're beginning to care more about what your friends think than your parents think than your family thinks and so you're at that time where you're trying to decide who you are and you're living it in comparison to other people. How do I measure up? How do I fit in? How do I stand apart? 
You're smiling because you know what I'm thinking, right? We all tend to live a little bit in our adolescence, don't we? This isn't just, in fact, the journey of adolescence. All of us are, are sort of living in that life of, of comparison and wondering, you know, how are our lives set apart? What's, what's the uniqueness that we bring? Often in our older years, you define that, our older years, we begin to ask, so what is the legacy that I'm going to, to leave what, what will people remember about me and my life? And we're, we're wondering, was I conformed to this world or was the uniqueness of who I am apparent? Or maybe even a question like this, did I live a life of integrity faithful to who I am? I say all of that because there's more here, because there's more to understand about our identity, because the scripture teaches here in Romans, as, as it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it even says that when our minds, meaning all of our thinking, all of our worldview is transformed by the goodness of God in view of his mercy, when all of that happens, I recognize the truth of who I am in Jesus. That my identity is shaped as a child of God, forgiven, redeemed, gifted, we need to be reminded over and over again because of the work of Christ in our hearts and in our lives. This is, in fact, who we are. But it's not just who we are as individuals. So in Christ, we who are many are one body, each member belonging to another, to one another. A part of our identity is shaped by the community of which we are a part. We each have a role in this community, and that role is not the same. So often we think of this idea of Christianity and what it means to be a Christian, and we kind of we, we want to paint a picture of this is what a Christian is <clears throat> supposed to look like. I say that because most of the time when we paint that picture, we realize that we don't yet look like that. We, 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 we hear it as law, not, not gift. We hear that it, it as something where we need to conform our own lives into as opposed to being conformed by what God has done for us. But we also paint a picture that forgets that even in Christ, even in salvation, as children of God, we are individually members of it that the work of God by God's own design is going to look different in you than it is in me I was talking to my son and he was telling me about one of the struggles at his church where he's an elder and they've been discussing discipleship 
And, and one of the, the men in that leadership discussion, every time they have dis- the discussion, seems to want to very firmly and very strongly paint a picture of what his life of a disciple looks like and that everybody else's life should look exactly like that. And they walk away feeling frustrated and inadequate because their lives don't look like his. And my son was getting a little frustrated with that. And apparently at one of the meetings, he actually lost his cool, which, by the way, for my son is a very rare occasion because he's like his mom. (laughs) Because he knew and he understood that when true discipleship gets a hold of us, it brings us together as the body of Christ. It allows us to recognize our individual gifts and how those gifts working together allow the church to be the church, allow the church to accomplish what God intends as the body of Christ in this world, allows us together using our gifts to live lives that bring honor and glory to God. That it's not just what each of us do individually, it's how we come together synergistically to to give glory and homage to God through how we live our lives together. Our individual identities and giftedness important, but also important as we see how those individual identities work together together in this community to build us up as the body of Christ. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If one's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Different gifts, differently gifted, all by God's design. Going back to my teenagers, let me just remind you, You're supposed to be different from everybody else. It's a good thing. But it's also true that that difference allows you to connect and be a part of community of, let's call it, team in which you make your contribution and others make a different contribution so that together all of us are blessed. That's God's design for his church because it's God's design for what the church does in the world that will bring him honor and glory. If one of us stands out as an all-star, that's not necessarily a good thing. It's together as the body of Christ that God has designed his church. You are the body of Christ and each one of you individually a part of it. This is not just me living my faith in submission to God. It's not just your living your life in submission to God. Rather, it is coordinating our lives as the community of faith, bearing witness to God near and far encouraging and supporting and strengthening one another as we recognize the imprint of God in our individual identities. Does anybody remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon? 
This is worship. It's, it's the content of what worship is. It's not the service where we come together to, to do an act of worship. It's, in fact, the living of our lives that is this worship. As we serve together, as we grow together, as we share and, and care for one another, that is what honors the God who forgives and transforms and blesses us. And when we honor God in our lives and in our relationships, God is glorified. God is honored. And so what we do together, the opportunities we have, even including this noon of eating ice cream or in just a few minutes out there drinking coffee, as we, as we together are the community of faith, that's a critical portion of what it means to worship God in addition to prayer and confession and absolution and singing hymns and receiving communion. Oh, by the way, receiving communion that establishes afresh each time we do it that we are brothers and sisters in Christ gifted to serve and worship together. Not me, not you, but we are the body of Christ. Living sacrifices dedicated to using our lives to bring honor and glory to the God who saves us and makes us right with him and makes us right with each other through the forgiveness he generates and the love he generates in and for us as the people of God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.